Welcome to Tucson New Thought. Oh, thank you. It's a little bit in my wheelhouse, um, that particular style of music. It's from a show. Shock, right? Um, and I was, and I, as I say every week, I was a musical theater actor for a couple decades before I came into the ministry. Um, that particular song is from a show called A Boy Called Lizard. I know, it's an interesting title, eh? Uh, based on a novel called Lizard uh, by Dennis Covington, and it is a show that I was honored to be in the world premiere of that show Oh my gosh, 12, it was 2000, yeah, 13 years ago, it was 2006, maybe 2007, maybe only 12 years ago. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. It was written by Reverend Dr. James Mellon and his writing partner, Scott Turk. And uh, this particular song from that show has always touched my heart. First of all, it is an, it, the, the very fact that this show exists is a testament to the idea that uh, both James and I have in our hearts to put into place, which is enlightenment through entertainment. That it's not just on Sundays where you come to a presentational experience of uh, being told the truth, but you can, you can go to the theater and inhabit the truth through the experience and expression of theatrical pursuits and musicals and plays and things like that. And that's what I really want to do. So the fact that this song, And So It Is, is the title of the song, and let's face it, that is, and so, oh yeah, Caramon wants me to, it's hard to see. So I got my first tattoo right at the new year that says, And So It Is. And I decided to put it right there so that um, it is me wearing my faith on my sleeve and a constant reminder to myself that my word is my bond. I say first tattoo. I guess I'm getting more at some point. <laughs> to be able to put, and so it is, in a show and let it be the heart of that show, I think is magnificent. It's magical in a way. When I, would, when I was doing the show, I did not play the character that sings this song in the show. I would... That but at that particular point in the show, um, the way that the set was constructed, there was, a, the, there was an entrance over here to go backstage, and we would sneak on, and there were flats and, and set pieces way over here. I'm trying to make sure I'm still on camera. Uh, <laughs> and it was a particular point in the show where I didn't have to do a costume change, I didn't have to do anything, so I would go and I would sit and I would listen to this entire scene and hear the character uh, of Mr. Howell. Mr. Howell? I'm like, is that, that's Gilligan's Island. I think it was Mr. Howell, though. Uh, tell the boy called Lizard how he can live his dream. And so it is. And that it doesn't matter what you're taught, what you've learned. You can fly. You can soar. It doesn't matter what you look like. The reason that the boy was called Lizard was because of his physical features. He was bullied. He was made fun of. And that was what drove him away and set him off on a journey of self-discovery. Dream the thing that you want to come true. I am in a constant state of dreaming, and I'm dreaming big. You know, last week it was funny because 
I got really revved up. And at a point in the, in the, in the flow of the day, I said, that's why we need to be at the TCC arena so that I can have like this energy. <laughs> I dream big. Why not? This is a philosophy that, is, that, is, that, that, that can be used by everyone, provided they are open to it. They are receptive to it. And it doesn't matter what your religious path is. It is, co- it, it is a coherent way of thinking and still holding on to what a religious path might be. Because this is not a religion. It's a spiritual philosophy that can be utilized for good in our lives. Dream the thing that you want to come true. Dream the thing that you want to come true. So I have had a lot happen this week. A lot of my dreams have come into play in a big way this week. First of all, I closed escrow on my house officially last Tuesday. Yes, yes, yes. Um, Dane and I then on Wednesday, because we didn't want to uh, disturb our debt-to-income ratio while we were in the escrow process, we went out on Wednesday and we bought a new car. That, that you won't see me driving it, he drives it. <laughs> but it's a nice you know, SUV, which we had been talking about getting an SUV. I signed and delivered the lease on the new space. Yay. I traveled to San Diego on Thursday for the Centers for Spiritual Living virtual convention, which was basically virtual, but I had a role to play in person in San Diego. Now, talk about dreaming big. CSL, the Centers for Spiritual Living, did their convention this year in a, in a, in a, in a whole new way. We, they dabbled into it two years ago, but they've really given into it this year. And they did four nights from four separate locations across North America, and the primary audience was a virtual audience. You were intended to go and look at it and watch it online. And so the idea is, to be able to reach a greater audience than ever before because people didn't have to travel to come to a location for the convention. So the first night was, was broadcast live from Calgary, Alberta. The second night was live from, uh, no, the second day was a business meeting. That all came from Denver. The third night was from Atlanta, Georgia. And then the fourth night, Thursday night, was from San Diego. Now I serve on the I have for the last six years served on the awards committee for Centers for Spiritual Living. And so I had to go there because we had awards to announce. What I love about being, having been on, I should say, because it is now a past tense uh, idea for me because I'm termed out. After six years, I am no longer uh, allowed to serve on that committee. I have to find another committee. Um, But what I have always loved about serving those six years on the awards committee is that our primary purpose is one thing and one thing only, to honor and lift people up. And it's been such a magnificent journey to be able to see what's happening out in the world in, in, in specifically Centers for Spiritual Living, but in the new thought world and how people can look upon their fellow people and say, you're somebody that deserves honoring. I mean, I think we're all people who deserve honoring. But we got to honor people, lift them up, and recognize them for the great good they do in the world. I also spent my, I spent uh, Thursday night with my aunt, who lives in La Jolla, and uh, beautiful, glorious to, to be able to spend time with her. It was a full week, a full week, and 12 hours of driving to San Diego and back. I mean, that 
Oh, I listened to some great podcasts too. That's a whole other talk. I refuse to say that it was a busy week. And that's a personal choice that I have made because for me, and this is something maybe to check in, for me, the word busy has some connotation to it. Busy, to me, has connotations of difficulty and stress and struggle. And so I say it was a full week, a full week. I don't mind full weeks. I love to live in full weeks. The other thing that happened this week that I was not as specifically engaged with is Mardi Gras. I should have brought, I should have brought beads. So this, the, this week also marks the beginning of the Lenten, the, the season of Lent, the Lenten season in the Christian faith. And that begins on Ash Wednesday, which was this past Wednesday. And if you follow my blog and podcast, um, I spoke about it on my blog and podcast. And I, you know, I basically, what I have come to every year, and, and, I'm, going, and I'm going to honor Dr. James Mellon because he is the one who coined this, at least so far as I know, is that Lent can be the season, 40 days of Let's eliminate negative thinking. Lent, L-E-N-T. Let's eliminate negative thinking. We can truly eliminate negative thinking, step into the positive, step into the productive, step into the constructive, and allow our life to unfold magnificently. And the only thing that ever holds us back from living the magnificent life we all want to live, we all want to live a magnificent life, right? Yeah, the only thing that really holds us back, negative thinking. Thinking we can't because... And so it is. If we say we can't, what is it Henry Ford said? If you say you can and you say you can't, you're right. If we say we can't, we can't. So what is it you are going to say yes to today? What is it when you walk out these doors, you are going to say yes to today? Now, in the blog and podcast, I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to push the envelope a little bit more. So I wrote this and I said this, let's take the time daily to really dig deep into our mind to see what is feeding the ego and let the fast be to deny the ego anything that isn't healthy and rooted in loving kindness. Let's take the time daily to really dig deep into our mind and see what is feeding the ego. And let the fast be to deny the ego that isn't healthy, anything that isn't healthy and rooted in loving kindness. I don't have an issue with the ego. A lot of people do. They're like, oh, he has a very big ego, right? I don't have an issue with the ego because the true ego is the deepest understanding of the I am. That's what ego means. I am. Ego is that great understanding that we are the infinite divine. That's how I understand ego. I don't look to ego to mean all of the things that I place upon myself to embolden myself. It is the point of view from which I know that I am bold and I am living a bold, miraculous life. The operative in this, though, let me see if you know what the operative word is in this. Let's take the time daily to really dig deep into our mind and see what is feeding the ego and then let the fast be to deny the ego that isn't healthy, to deny the ego anything that isn't healthy and rooted in loving kindness. The operative word in that, you ready? Daily. Daily. Our practice is intended to be 
a daily spiritual practice, not just when things go wrong. Oh, I know this philosophy that I think can help when things go wrong. No, things don't have to go wrong when we are rooted in daily practice. Let us practice daily. Because when intelligence makes a demand upon itself, this is Ernest Holmes now, when intelligence makes a demand upon itself, it answers its own demand out of its own nature and cannot help doing so. I'll explain why I just laughed in just a minute. In philosophy, this idea is called emergent evolution. When intelligence makes a demand upon itself, it answers its own demand out of its own nature and cannot help doing so. In philosophy, this idea is called emergent evolution. The laugh. Uh, there's a, so I studied phonetics when I was in college uh, as part of my theater training. And whenever I see the word answers, it harkens back to my phonetics training because I don't say answers. I say it's a, it's, it's a weird kind of uh, phonet, phoneme that I use, answers. Um, which is not common in English usage. So every time it catches me and I laugh. <laughs> what does that have to do with spiritual philosophy? Nothing. I just thought I'd let you know. The universal presence from which all creation springs forth can't help itself. It must create. That's, its only, that's the only thing it does. It just creates. It just creates. It must create. That is the only nature of universal intelligence. It is infinite intelligence. So infinite intelligence was the creative source for our upcoming move. For we will no longer be in this physical space next week. We will be in a new physical space next week. It was infinite intelligence operating through the commonality, the community mind, the mind that we share, to say we are ready for what is next. And our capacity to allow ourselves to be led in loving kindness by the infinite mind, which we can do, has said, oh, here's a space. Here's a wonderful opportunity for you. The activity of this move is a projection of our use of this infinite mind. When intelligence makes a demand upon itself, it answers its own demand out of its own nature and cannot help doing so. This idea is called emergent evolution. We are always evolving. We are always evolving. It's why we are a center for spiritual evolution, because I think we are always on that road of evolution. We are always lifted up to a higher way of being, to a higher expression of life, to a higher thing at all times. We are never on that road of regression unless we decide to be, but let's not do that. We are never on that road of regression. We can step boldly forth and say, I know who I am and I act solely 100% out of loving kindness at all times. What it took for us to make this move, actually, I'll tell you what it took for me to make this move. I don't need to speak in a we, I'm going to speak in a me. What it took for me to make this move was a willingness to get out of my own way. To let, as Emerson calls it, my bloated nothingness give way to the divine circuits. When I let go of my bloated nothingness, now there's the difference between my understanding of 
the spiritual ego and what many people understand it as ego, which I like to refer to as the human ego, that thing, is our human ego is the bloated nothingness. And when we give way to, divine, to the divine circuits, that is our spiritual ego, our deepest understanding of knowing who we are, remembering who we are at all times, that we are the presence and power of an infinite divine loving resource. No matter what, this is who and what we are, even in the times when we forget. So does this mean, here's the big question for me, does this mean that the divine was waiting for me to catch up? to have a deeper understanding of like, oh, well, we have this. No, and then we can create this, right? Does this mean the divine was waiting for me to catch up? No. <gasps> the divine was not waiting for, first of all, who am I to think that the divine is waiting for me? <laughs> I am God. Now, in my own heart, I required in my own experience a waiting period. We don't always require a waiting period. Some people Oh, there it is. The Buddha sat underneath the Bodhi tree for six days. But the moment of illumination was not because he sat for six days. It was instantaneous when it happened. Did not require a waiting period. But sometimes we do need in our own experience to have that waiting period. God will forever create. The divine will forever create, irrespective of our lack of active participation. God's going to keep creating whether we're active in it or not. Wouldn't it be best to let go of passive creation? Let go of being passive in our way of creating our lives. To be active in creation, here's, here's, here are the steps in active creation. We must become fully aware we must be on the path of self-knowing. And when we see something that is not in alignment with our greatest expression and experience of a constructive life, catch that. Catch that. We have to be on high watch. Catch ourselves. Now, not obsessively, but when it, because there are people who become obsessive about this. But when it shows up in your life, catch yourself and go, oh, Look at that. Now, don't beat yourself up, because here's the other thing that we can do. Oh, look what I created. Mea culpa, mea culpa, mea maxima culpa. You know what I'm doing there, right? Yeah. <laughs> the funny thing is that's another musical reference for me, because it's from Sweeney Todd. <laughs> we must catch ourselves when we recognize it. So that's the first part, catch. Part number two, release. We catch ourselves in the act of not knowing our highest good. We release that which does not work. We release it. We let it go. We can release our belief in a particular outcome and form. That's one way that we can catch ourselves too. If we think that there's one way for it to be, we can release ourselves from that judgment. I had to face a judgment this week. When somebody said to me, you know, I watch, I watch you online every single... Now they're going to know that I'm talking about them. But they, you don't know. You don't know. They don't know who you are. Um, I watch you online every single week. And I love what you do. And I love your messages. But why do you have to do it the same as every other center? Why do you have to do it the same as all the other places do it? With your song and your thing and the, and the structure of the thing. Why don't you do it differently? 
And I gave that a lot of thought this week. I had to catch that thought of, why do I do it the same in many ways? And I had to say, because that's what's in my heart and soul right now. I won't say that's always what it's going to be. My ministry can change in an instant when I decide for it to change. But here's what I know. For this community, this is what seems to be working right now. This is what seems to be working right now. For me to most efficiently and effectively spread the message of self-reliance that I choose to spread in this world. To spread that message of knowing who you are, not because of anything you do, but just because you are God. You are divine. You are that intelligence of the universe expressed uniquely and perfectly as you. So that's the way I do it right now. It may change. When it's time for me to let that go, when it's time for me to believe that this particular outcome um, and flow of my ministry has to evolve, <laughs> I will release it. I will release it. And I think there are many great things to come as well. And moving into a new space opens up a great deal of possibility for what can be offered beyond just this Sunday experience. And that's the other thing I'm so excited about, is being able to, to, to engage in spiritual cinema, to be able to engage in, in singing events where we can come together as a community and sing, where we can come together as a community and do different things, not just have you sit here and listen to me, although I enjoy that too, and I hope you enjoy it. Catch those thoughts. Release what doesn't work. Then what? Then what? Because that's the third part of the talk title. Catch and release. Then what do we do? Hmm? Whatever we want. We can do whatever we want. Now, I heard somebody say replace. Yes, that is a possibility, but when we catch ourselves, release what doesn't work, and stay open to the flow of good, which is our divine inherent birthright, then we live in a place of faith and knowing that our lives are perfectly unfolding 100% all the time. That's living in faith. That is living in faith. Dream it. See it. See it, dream it, until you know... Take it, make it until it's so, and so it is. Ernest Holmes wrote this. There were no flying machines until man made them. Except birds. <laughs> I thought that would get a laugh. Okay. There were no flying machines until man made them. The spirit did not have a lot of little flying machine models put away in a cosmic cupboard somewhere, but the mind that conceived the possibility of the flying machine is God. So when man finally, oh, I know how I can make a flying machine and I can soar. It wasn't that he was tapping into something that already existed in the infinite mind, although it did already exist in the infinite mind. Like it says, God did not have little flying machine models hanging out in a cosmic cupboard somewhere where then it was then man's discovery. Oh, look, the little cosmic cupboard that God has. No. We get to create from an infinite resource. And so when it was time to fly, we knew exactly how to do it. Once there was a man who dreamed that he could fly. While all potential 
while all potential and possibility exists in the universal, we are the mechanism. All of creation is the mechanism, but I'm going to just talk about us for a while as humanity. We are the mechanism for that potential and possibility to be realized in form. All potential and possibility exists in the universal. Anything that is possible, anything that is potential, it all exists. And it is born by means of each and every one of us. We are the mechanism. So catch your thoughts, release the negativity, then live the results. That's what I say is then. You just live the results. Mental muscle, I've talked about this program before. <laughs> it's a big James Mellon day. Created by James Mellon because he had this idea. He stepped on stage one Sunday after he had driven to the uh, center. And while he was driving, he saw in a park a physical boot camp happening, you know, where you've got uh, a personal trainer out there and saying, get down, do your push-ups, get up, do your sit-ups, crunches, do this, run 10 miles, whatever. 10 miles, that's a lot of running. <laughs> he sees this and he thinks, God, if only there were a, if only there were a trainer in my mind to keep me on track all the time so I could catch myself and release what doesn't work and step into the flow and live the results. So he got up that Sunday and decided that he was going to announce his intention to be uh, a drill sergeant in a spiritual boot camp that ultimately became known as Mental Muscle. The tagline for Mental Muscle became, and the tagline for his life, and, and, and in many ways my life as a result, has been, do the work, live the results. Do the work, live the results. We don't have to do the work, but we'll still live the results of not doing the work. Do the work, live the results. We are a point of creation. I want to say not the point of creation. We are a point of creation because creation is infinite. We are the center of our universe. Let us act accordingly. We are the center of our universe. Let us act accordingly. Catch, release, then, well, that is up to you. Namaste. Thank you for listening. Visit TucsonNewThought.org for updates on everything that's happening at the center. And follow us on Facebook and Instagram by searching Tucson New Thought. Namaste.